Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. Amen. Praise God. It's good to be in the house of God this Sunday morning. Amen. Everybody feeling rested? That extra hour of sleep? How, how many of you didn't even feel it? I didn't, man, I didn't feel it. We need a do-over next, next Sunday. <laughs> amen, amen. Man, it's good to be in the house of God. Um, how many of you guys rejoiced last Sunday? If you were here, man, God, man, God came down. Uh, Holy Spirit really took over. And, and, you know, I say this every time, but we should always be expectant, right? Because, because that same God, that same Spirit, uh, he's, he's here in the room today. And he wants to do something today. And he wants to maybe mess up your plans today. And he wants to take over today. And he wants to fill your life every day. Amen. And so let's always be expectant of a move of God. It doesn't matter who's on the platform. It doesn't matter what, who's leading the songs. It doesn't matter what songs they're singing. The Holy Spirit is our constant, not the leaders. We're just, we're just servants of the one who is constant. Amen. Let us always come with that mentality. Amen. Um, this, this Sunday, I want to I wanna preach out of, out of 1 Chronicles. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. 1 Chronicles, we're going to be in chapter 22. Yesterday, we had an amazing uh, men's gathering. Uh, we had maybe a good 25 men uh, gathered in, in, uh, in um, brother, brother Juan's house. And, and uh, um, man, it, it seems like every time you know, God just amazes us with these, with these gatherings because you, you know, let's be honest. When, when you think of pillars in the church, you usually think about the women. Okay. Cause the women are the one man, they can get down in prayer. They can, they can get down with like, you know, the fellow man, they, women know how to fellowship man. And they take forever. Right. Sometimes, sometimes y'all, y'all women have events and I'm, I'm watching, you know, my daughter's um, particularly the, the one that's out of control, uh, the, the one-year-old. And I'm like, man, Pastor Melissa, where, where you at, babe? And I'm, I, I, I stalk her on the, you know, find my friends. I'm like, she's still there, right? Um, so, so, so the women know how to get down, man. And sometimes when the men come together, it's like, man, we're just going to hang around. We're going to like, you know, do the small talk and we're not going to open up. And huh? <laughs> man, we, we, yesterday we, we worshiped in one room. Uh, every voice was was raised, man. I wish you could have. I wish you could have heard it in that room. It was it was amazing. It was beautiful, and yes, we ate good food and and we had a good time. Um, but we really just had iron sharpening our iron, and that's what it's about. So if you are a brother, get connected, man. We have an awesome uh, men's ministry here, amen. First Chronicles chapter twenty two, verses six through ten. And if you have it, you can say, I've got it. Amen. And it says this, it says, then David sent for his son Solomon and instructed him to build the temple for the Lord, the God of Israel. My son, he says, I wanted to build a temple to honor the name of the glory of the Lord, my God, David told him. But the Lord said to me, you have killed many men in the battles you have fought. And so you, and since you have shed so much blood in my sight, you will not be the one to build a temple to honor my name. But you will have a son who will be a man of peace. 
And I will give him peace with his enemies and all the surrounding lands. And his name will be Solomon. And I will give peace and quiet to Israel during his reign. And he is the one who will build a temple to honor my name. He will be my son and I will be his father. And I will secure the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. Amen. Let's, let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, my God, because we know that you are here in this room, Father God. And you want to do something, Father God. And your word, Father God, it, it naturally just wants to pierce the depths of our soul, Father God. And I pray that we allow it to do that this morning as we come with an open heart and an open mind to receive your word. Holy Spirit, speak through me, Father God. More of you and less of me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I want to give you a little bit of background. Um, if you're familiar at all with with the Davidic covenant. There's a lot of covenants in the Bible. You know what a covenant is? Covenant is a, is a promise. It's a, it's a promise that God makes with his people. And so the Davidic covenant, it's found in first Chronicles uh, chapter 17. David is in his palace. He's uh, he's finally in Jerusalem and, and he's settled and he wishes to build God a temple to house the ark of the covenant because the presence of God up until this point had been in a tent. It was, it was mobile. It had to be mobile because the Israelites, they were in the wilderness and, and so they were always on the go. And so they had to, they had to have this like pop up, you know, tent, the presence of God where they kept the Ark of the covenant, but they're not in the wilderness anymore. And so David is kind of feeling guilty that he's in this beautiful palace while the presence of God remains in a tent. And so he tells his, his, his friend and prophet, uh, Nathan, he says, I am living in a beautiful house of cedar, but the ark of the Lord is out there under a tent. And at first, Nathan, he encourages his, his friend to build a, a temple for God. This was very common in many religions. Uh, people of certain religions, they, they like to build temples for their gods. And so this was a natural desire that King David had. And, and David loves the Lord. He has, he's a man after God's own heart. And so he's encouraged by, by Nathan, go and do what you want to do. Build that, that temple. But then God appears to Nathan in a dream. And he commands David not to build the temple. He says, God will establish a house for David and his descendants. It's a beautiful passage. It's very messianic. There's a lot of ties to Jesus there. Today, I don't want to focus so much on the, on the big picture of the covenant. I want to focus on David's desire. How many of you have desires? David had a desire to do something good for God. How many of you have a desire to do something good for God? But his desire, his good desire to do something good for God was shut down. That's the title of my message this morning. Shut down. God tells David, you are not the one to build a house for me to live in. You ain't it, David. Tell the person next to you, you ain't it. <laughs> that hurts, right? Like, we, <laughs> I thought it was. Yeah, we, we want to be. We want to be it. We want to feel special, right? Have you ever felt like something that you just knew was God's will. There was no question about it. Maybe it was starting a new ministry. Maybe it was planning a church. Maybe it was being a missionary. You can fill in the blank. Something that's obviously in God's heart, but not in his heart for you to do. Have you ever felt shut down by God? God, I want to lead worship. Girl, have you, girl, have you heard yourself? 
You're going to be leading them outside the doors. God, I want to start this ministry. I want to be a missionary to, to, to India. I want to do this for you. And we think to ourselves, well, if it's in God's heart, uh, if it's God's will, and that desire is in my heart, well, then I obviously must be the one to do it. Obviously, God loves missions. Obviously, the world needs more pastors, more church leaders, but we hardly ever realize that something can be God's will without it being his will for you. When I was a kid, I, I, wanted, to be, I wanted to be a basketball player. We played ball yesterday with some of the guys at our men's gatherings, and if you're there, you're, you're probably thankful that I'm not representing one of our professional NBA teams. Um, but I remember thinking, God, I'll be the, I'll be the most Christian basketball player ever. I will, I, will wear, I will wear verses on my jersey, and I will give you glory after every shot, and I will be, I mean, I'm going to be this superstar like, like LeBron James, and I, I'm going to bring glory to your name. And, and, uh, and God said, you ain't it, son. Uh-uh. And so you might be telling God something. That is in your heart. Maybe it's God. I want to be a prophet like, like prophet angel that came last week. I, I want to be a preacher like TD Jakes. I want to write music like elevation worship Maverick city. John Ryan came too. by the way, I have a new single. <laughs> you knew I was going to find a way to plug it in there. Uh, <laughs> but there are times where we want to bring a certain kind of offering to God and God shuts us down. For one reason or another. And you know, last week, Prophet Angel, he said, he said something that I thought was so good. He said, not everyone can do what I do. And he wasn't saying that to boast. He was saying it because it was a very unique calling that God had given to him. So he said, you, 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 you can't do what I do. Not everyone can do what I do. Stop trying to do what I do. Instead, focus on what God has called you to do. And then, and then work on doing you the best way that God called you to do you. See, that's, that's the problem with, with so many people today, man. And, 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 and not just in the church, but everywhere. And social media really just amplifies this problem because it's a place where we go to, to compare ourselves to others. And we, we want other people's callings. We want other people's anointings. We want other people's blessings. And as noble as it is, as as well-intentioned as it might be, sometimes God has to shut us down. You're not it. You're not it. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, our bodies have many parts. And God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In other words, if God called you to be a hand, be a hand. Stop trying to be a foot. You're not a foot. God called you to be a hand. He meant to make you the way that he made you. And then if someone else, it's a side note, a separate sermon. If someone tries to make you feel inferior for what God has put in you, shame on them. They're wrong. Because God doesn't make mistakes with his callings. And so sometimes God is going to shut down your plans. He's going to shut down your goals because they're not compatible with the purpose that he has for you. Sometimes he's even going to let you go through it and then fail so that you can realize that what you were trying to do wasn't meant for you. And it's not a rebuke. 
See, God, God didn't rebuke David. If anything, he encouraged David. He built up David as a unique person with an anointing that only he could hold. He established a covenant with David and his household. The Messiah would come from David because David was special. David was uh, faithful. David was a man after God's own heart. There couldn't be another David. But David, someone else's anointing isn't yours. And I don't know who needs to hear that this morning. But someone else's calling can't be your calling. Someone else's influence can't be your influence. Someone else's blessings. You're looking at, at the other side of, of, of the fence and you're wanting somebody else's blessings. You're wanting a journey that isn't yours. And I think that the church would be more, just a happier place, a more efficient place, a more effective and united place if we weren't all trying to compete for other people's blessings. And so the way I see it is that when God closes a door in your life or when, when, when he shuts the door that you've been trying to open, it's for one of three reasons. You ready? When God shuts a door in your life, it's either not meant to be opened ever. It's not the time for it to be open. Maybe it'll happen in God's timing. We're always trying to rush God's timing. We try to make happen today what's supposed to be happening tomorrow. Or number three, you're not the one that God wants it to be opened by. Now that last one, that hurts our pride. Because we're like, well, well if not me, who? You know? who, who better than, than me? And then, and then when God begins to raise up these other people, these other, these other um, whatever, whatever it is that you, you're trying to do, he got, God begins to raise them up. And, and you're thinking, man, I really hope that the door gets stuck, you know. I really, hope that they, I really hope that they can't open it. I really hope they fail, right? And God, that'll, that'll show God he should have picked me, you know. We're not like that. We're not, not, not here. Not at Numa. But, you know, I'm, I don't mean to be beating a dead horse, but, but I got to get this point across, man. Sometimes we wait for God to open a door that he's never going to open. What are you waiting for today? That, that God is not going to open. And we get spiritual with it, man. We say, oh, I'm just waiting on God. I'm just waiting on the Lord. I'm waiting on the Lord because I know she's going to be my wife, you know. I'm just waiting. We need to know the difference between waiting and, and denial, right? I've waited on things, man, that weren't from God. I've waited on things that were not from God. Even though God didn't promise something to me, I, I waited anyway. I, I promised it to myself, and you know what that does? It wastes time. Time that could have been spent doing what God had actually purposed for me to do. You know when someone like knocks on your door and, 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 and you don't answer the door, but you got like five cars in the driveway, right? They know somebody's home. And, 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 and maybe they even see you peeking through the blind. You put it down real quick. Um, th they're smart enough to know that your refusal to answer the door is their answer. They're smart enough to know that they don't stick around waiting for you to open a door that you are intentionally not opening a shut door. Maybe God's answer to your prayer. And so we're not always waiting on an answer from God. We're sometimes waiting on a different answer from God. God has already spoken 
and we're, we're wanting him to change his mind. A shut door is an answer. The question is, what are you going to do next? What do you do when God shuts you down? Do you complain? Man, God, how could you not, how could you not make me the leader? You just have me helping in the ministry. I don't want to just help. I want to lead. Do you get jealous when, when, when someone else gets to do what you feel like you got, like you should be doing? Some of us get disobedient with it. We do it anyway. Or just go with me here. Will you help prepare the way for the one who is meant to open the door? And there's a lot of selfishness in the church, man. Sometimes, you know, pe- people, we say we're in it for the kingdom, but that, that's, that only comes with certain stipulations, right? Well, if, if, I'm, if I'm the leader, then I'm in it for the kingdom. If I'm helping, then, hmm, you know. You're only in it for the kingdom if, if God has you serving where you want to serve. You know, it wasn't Moses who was going to open the door to the promised land. Who was it? It was Joshua. It was Joshua. It wasn't Moses. It was Joshua. It wasn't David who was going to build the temple. It was Solomon. It wasn't John the Baptist who was going to be the Messiah. It was Jesus. It might not be Pastor Ryan. It might be the next. It might not be you. It might be your children. What, what do you do when God places your desires into somebody else's hands? If you notice, Moses, when God said, you are not going to enter the promised land, Moses didn't throw a fit and, and, and leave. He stuck around to help prepare the way. When, when, when God told David, it's not you who's going to build me a temple, David didn't leave. He stuck around to prepare the way. John the Baptist, his entire ministry was to prepare the way for the one who would come after him. You see how these people in the Bible had a kingdom mindset, right? We need to adopt what is, what, what is, what is clearly the mindset of, of, a, of the kingdom. I'm not in it for me. I'm not in it for somebody else. I'm in it, I'm in it, for, I'm in it for the kingdom of God. I love that David didn't get offended by a shut door, man. He didn't walk out. He still did what he was destined to do. If we truly possess that kingdom mindset, we would not make it about ourselves. We would make it about God. God said no to me, but he said yes to you. How can I help? How can I help prepare the way? We don't hear about the disciples complaining and getting upset because Peter was the one to whom Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church. David is okay with not being the man for this particular job. Now, 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 does it hurt us when God says no? Come on. Let's not pretend like it doesn't. It does. When God says no, sometimes, man, sometimes God's answer to our prayers, we take personally. I bet, I bet Moses felt, I bet Moses felt disregarded for a minute when God shut him out of the promised land. I mean, you work that hard. You, you, you tell God no because you don't even you're not even thrilled about the calling in the first place, 
And then you reluctantly accept and, 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 and you take God's people out of Egypt and then you deal with them for 40 years in the wilderness, complaining. And then you don't even get the reward of what you were called to take them out of and into. I bet that hurt. David said, David said that the reason God had shut the door on him was because he had shed too much blood. There's always a reason that God does or doesn't do something. Okay. Reasons that perhaps we can't understand. God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than ours. But David said that the reason he couldn't build the temple and the reason God was shutting him out was, was because he had shed too much blood. I want you to think about that for a second. If I were David, I would have said, God, I did this for you. Remember Goliath? Remember Goliath? I, 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 I was there to defend your people. I, I slayed that uncircumcised giant who was making threats to, to your people. I, I did this for you. You raised me up as a warrior for your purpose. And now you're telling me that I can't build the temple because I've shed too much blood? Think about that, man. See, God used David in a season. And David was ripe for the season that he was in. David came in at a time where war was plentiful in, in the land of Canaan. A warrior was needed for the things that David was called to do. The, da- the, the battles that David fought in, they were not ungodly battles. They were godly battles. But God was about to do something new. And this new thing, David did not have the qualifications for. See, first God required a warrior. Now he requires a peacemaker. Different seasons, I want you to listen to me on this. Different seasons call for different qualifications. Different qualifications sometimes call for different people. I'm going to say that. You didn't get it. You didn't get it. Different seasons that God, God, God moves in seasons. And sometimes a different season calls for different qualifications, qualifications that you do not possess. So, so maybe you were, you were being used by God in one season and you want to, you want to be used again in the next season, but sometimes we need to make room for the person who God is bringing into that season. See, David was, David was not a man of peace. He was not a man. He was not a man of peace. See, sometimes you are not going to meet the qualifications that God has set for a specific task. Now, now you say, but pastor, God doesn't call the qualified. He, qual- he qualifies the called. Sure. But not every qualification is compatible with every calling. In other words, you can be called to be an evangelist and therefore not qualified to pastor. I can't be a pastor and an evangelist. I've got to be here. I can't, I can't go Sunday after Sunday preaching somewhere. I've got to be home. I've got to pastor this church. Don't be surprised when your calling disqualifies you for something that you are not called for. 
Don't be surprised when one season that you were in doesn't easily transfer over to another season. See, see, this time God required a peacemaker. He wanted his temple to be built out of a season of peace, not war. Now, sometimes in order to get peace, you have to go through some battles, right? In order to get to peace, you, you have to, you have to fight. Like, like, I don't know how, I know that, I know we have some awesome um, marriage testimonies in here about how people were on the brink of losing their marriage, right? There was a time when your marriage was, was threatened. And what, what did you have to do? You had to, you had to fight. Don't tell me you didn't fight. If you didn't fight, you, you wouldn't be here to, to, today. You had to fight. You had to have some really uncomfortable uh, conversations. You had to yell at your, at your spouse and you have to say some things that you probably shouldn't have said, but needed to be said. You probably try to keep your voice down in front of your kid. I mean, you, you, you fought, you cried, you yelled. Maybe you even, maybe you even slapped your husband. <laughs> That's right. We'll do the counseling afterwards, brother. But you know what I'm saying? Like, 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 like when you're going through it, you have to fight. And, and if your marriage survived, those battles helped you come to a place of peace in your marriage now. Now you're in a new season, right? The spouse that you were in the previous season is no longer compatible with the spouse that you were called to be in this new season. You had to correct some things. You had to change some things. You, you had to have some more respect there. There's more trust there. You're in a new season. David was not a man of war. And he was needed in his season. I'm sorry, David was a man of war and he was needed in his season. But this new season required a man of peace. This week, hold on, let me have some. When I sing on Sundays and preach, it just, <clears throat> my voice gets dry. Um, this Sunday I had, I had, a had lunch with a friend, um, and we were talking about, we were talking about the number of, of churches that, that die every year. That's a lot, man. It's estimated 4,000 4, churches. That's on the low end of the estimation. It, it goes all the way up to 10,000 churches every year, just shut their doors. And that's sad. I mean, if you, you, you ask anybody, I mean, you ask a pastor, that's, that's sad. No one, I don't, I don't want any church to close their doors. We need, we need churches. But 4,000 to 10,000 churches every year shut their doors. And, and many of those churches are, you know, church plants and um, churches that just have a really hard time kind of getting off the ground. But on the other end of that, the ones that are dying are churches that at one point were very well established. Churches that at one point thrived. Churches at one point that had a season of, of growth and, and, and they were doing some amazing things and, and they were packing out the parking lots. I mean, these, these, church, these same churches are now beginning to die. And you say, well, why is that? The reason that many of these churches are dying is because there was no preparation for the next. I won't even say next generation. I'll just say next. I'll just leave it there. It's not always the next generation. Sometimes it's just the next person. Sometimes it's just the next season. There was no preparation. And there, there, there's, a, there's a problem, man. When, when church leaders, when we can't pass the mantle to make room for God's next. There's a problem 
when you overstay your season. There is a problem when you overstay the calling that God had for you in a particular time, but the time has expired. We need to know we all have an expiration date. Every calling, every season has an expiration date. You are not meant to stay at the same place forever. God is a God who takes us from glory to glory to glory. And he's trying to do new things. And, and when I'm 90 years old, I hope that I'm not pastoring because I'm not going to have the energy to be pastoring. But we need to make preparations for the next. This brother was telling me, man, there's, 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 there's churches where, where their pastors are passing away. And there's no pastor in the church to take over. They, ha- they, have, to, they have to find someone from outside the church. I pray that that never has, has to happen here. Something happens to me, we have, we have uh, pastors and leaders to, to choose from because we are, we're, we're intentional about, about the next. Because my time will come to an end. Your time will come to an end. And I love that David, he could have been bitter, he could have been angry, he could have been hurt, but instead he prepares. He prepares. I started praying, God, don't just use me for the here and now, but, but help me prepare for the there and then. When I'm not the one doing anymore, when my season is over, I still want to help someone in their season. Look at what David does. This is verse 11, same chapter. I'm almost done. If I, I can get the worship team up here. Look at what David says to his son. He says, now my son, the Lord be with you so that you may succeed in building the house of the Lord your God as he has spoken concerning you. Only may the Lord, may the Lord grant you discretion and understanding that when he gives you a charge over Israel, you may keep the law of the Lord your God. Then you will prosper if you are careful to observe the statutes and the rules that the Lord commanded Moses for Israel. He says, be strong and courageous. Fear not and do not be dismayed. You see, First, David encourages Solomon. There's no tone of resentment. He's there to give wise counsel to the next. Do you, you think that you could do that? Don't answer it out loud, but do you think that you could do that? When God tells you no, but somebody else yes, you think that you can give them a word of encouragement? Because sometimes we, man, we don't even want to pray for them. Let's be honest. That was my blessing. That was supposed to be my, that was supposed to be my season. That was supposed to be mine. And so we get bitter. And we didn't even pray for the person that God put there. Can you still hope for the best? Can you help them? Can you encourage them? When God uses someone in the way that you wish that you were used in, can, can you still encourage them? David not only encourages, he provides. Look at verse 14. With great pains, I have provided for the house of the Lord a hundred thousand talents of gold, a million talents of silver and bronze and iron beyond weighing, for there is so much of it, timber and stone too, I have provided. To these you must add, you have an abundance of workmen, stone cutters, masons, carpenters, and all kinds of craftsmen without number, skilled in working, gold, silver, bronze, and iron, arise and work, the Lord be with you. 
I love that David had this kingdom mindset, man. You know what I think about, honestly, just to get kind of personal, what I think about when I read this, I, I, think, I think about my dad. I think about my dad. I, I know a lot of, I know a lot of uh, pastors, young pastors, people my age that I grew up with, they grew up pastors' kids. And, and now, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to do that transition. Um, you know, many, many, of the, many of these older pastors, they're, they're trying to transition to have their, you know, their, their children, their, their sons um, lead the church. I've had, I can think of four conversations. And I'm so, I'm so blessed because they say, man, I would have loved to have had a relationship like, like that. Someone said, I mean, I love my dad. My, my dad loves me, but he's, he's trying to pass the mantle without letting go. And when I'm with these people, like I, I, I feel bad saying our transition wasn't too bad, but that's because of people who, who, who know that the next is just as important as the previous. And, and, and can we do that? Can we have such a kingdom-like mindset that we don't make it about me? We make it about we. Sometimes, man, we treat the, we, we treat the church like it's a corporate business where there are ladders to climb and, and jobs to compete for. And, and relationships with the right people to be sought after. And then we get disappointed when do- doors get shut on us. We get disappointed when someone else gets the blessing, when someone else gets the word that I wish I had received. I want to remind somebody today. David wasn't a Solomon. But Solomon wasn't a David. David wasn't a Solomon, but Solomon wasn't a David. Could it be, church, and if you haven't listened to me, listen now. Could it be that God has you exactly where he wants you right now? You're exactly where he wants you. And the, and the, and, and the perfect place, in the perfect time, around the right people, God has you right there. But you haven't done anything with the season you're in because you keep on looking at the season you wish you were in. I wish I was in a better place, God. I wish I had a better job, God. I wish I had a nicer house, God. I wish I had a better paying job. I wish I had more money. I wish my ministry was more established. I wish I had more influence. What if God has you right where he wants you? God may have you right where he wants you. Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments. The last commandment that God gives to the people of Israel. Do not covet. Do not covet. Now, if you grew up in church like I did, you you probably heard a kind of watered down version of the Ten Commandments, right? But I want you to think about this as it related to the people of Israel. The people of Israel had just come out of Egypt. They, They came out of a place where there was a lot of influence. To the people of Israel, they were Egyptians. They were there 400 years. 
They didn't have a place of their own. They, they were under captivity. They, they were taught a certain way. They served certain gods. They, 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 they had certain idols. They, they, they were ingrained with uh, Egyptian philosophy and, and, and lifestyle. And God says, I am taking you out of that. Don't go back to it. Don't covet what you, what you used to have. Egyptian was, uh, Egypt was a superpower in its day. Don't, don't covet what they have because I'm trying to do something new in you. I'm trying to establish you in your own season right now. Stop looking back. And if you, if you, if you recall, Israel always went back to the idols of the Egyptians. They, all, they, were all, they were an adulterous people and God was saying, don't covet. I have something better for you and it's for you. And today I believe that we still carry a lot of that. We still wish we had what somebody else had. We still covet. We don't talk about covetedness enough, man, but it is a sin that really, it, it, it destroys. It destroys callings. Because when God would have you move forward in your place, you're looking at the person next to you. And you're looking at the grass on the other side. And the only reason it's greener is because you failed to water the grass in your own side. Could it be that God has you right here in this moment to be used by him? Doors may shut in your life. Opportunities may be lost, but but there is a season that God has for you today so I just want to leave you with that work in your season work in your season and help others in theirs that's what it means to work in the kingdom of God can we stand this morning and I want to do I want to do a call this morning to the altars man I, I just I want us to seek the presence of God I want us to seek the will of God. I want us to seek God. God, remind us, Lord, of of, of where you would have us this morning, Father God. Because I don't want to be found outside of your will. Is there anybody this morning that would say, God, I don't want to be, I don't want to be found outside of your will, my God. I don't, I don't want to worry about the things that I don't have. I may be in the place exactly right now where you want me to be, my God. And I want to give you my best offering. I want to be a living sacrifice. Come on forward, church. Come on forward. Let's worship for a moment. We're going to present ourselves as a sacrifice this morning. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.